Now today, we're wrapping up our time in the book of Colossians, where we've studied a place for faith, and all these various places we've been looking at as a place where we can exercise faith, including the culture and politics and the family and various other places. And now today, we're going to look at the ends of the earth, a place for faith. And uh, next week, we are going to follow up with another gospel emphasis, good news from angels. You know, good news, the gospel means good news. In the Greek, it's you, which is a little prefix for good, and angelos, which is a message. So it is a good message. So euangelion is the good news or the gospel. And next week, we're going to talk about angels and good news, and the word angel is embedded in the word euangelion, and it is a messenger. So, the angel is a messenger who brings good news, and that's what the message is. And we're going to study that. We're going to start a series called Jesus, Live and Unedited. You who come every Sunday know that I'm a Jesus person. And I'm seeking to keep my life centered in Him as best I can, failing though I may. And we're seeking to be Jesus people, followers of Jesus, faithful to Him here at First Baptist New Orleans. That's why all of these things are scattered around here. The care effect is an effort to be faithful to our Lord who called us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so that's what's coming up. We're going to start Jesus Live and Unedited by looking at the words of angels to Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph in the birth narratives of Jesus in the Gospels. And I think it'll be an interesting thing to see what the angels have to say. So good news from angels starts next week. And this week we wrap up the book of Colossians by going to the first chapter again. I'm going to start in Colossians 1.1 in the reading. I want to particularly focus on two verses in the 14 I'm going to read. I'm going to read these because they are beautiful. I want you to hear them and I want you to receive them into your heart. These are wonderful scriptures, all right, that the Apostle Paul wrote from his prison in Rome. And uh, I want you to receive them, but I want you particularly to pay attention to verse 6 and to verse 10 as we read through, okay? So I'm starting with chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will 
through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In that beautiful scripture, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus. And this is the heart of the gospel which we proclaim. And the gospel, brothers and sisters, the gospel goes where you go. The gospel goes where you go. The apostle Paul said that the whole world has heard the gospel, and the gospel is growing and bearing fruit in the whole world. And why did he say that? Because he'd been all over the world as he knew it in his day. He was a man of many journeys and long journeys, a man who knew his world. Let me give you a a notion of where Paul had been on this video. Just watch. Uh, Jesus uh, was crucified and rose from the dead uh, for all practical purposes, 33 uh, AD. And then the church uh, began, and then Antioch becomes the center of the movement, not Jerusalem. They were kicked out of Jerusalem. And then the apostle Paul goes on a missionary journey. He's sent from the church of Antioch, and that's his first journey, goes into southern Turkey. His second journey, he goes back and sees those churches, and then Paul starts his uh, third journey. And on his third journey, he is raising support for the poor in Jerusalem. Goes back to the original churches, goes to Ephesus, and he spends two years in Ephesus, and he writes a letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians. Then he goes back to Macedonia, which is the area that Philippi, Berea, and Thessalonica are in. He writes a a second letter to the Corinthians from Philippi, that's 2 Corinthians. And then he travels down from Macedonia, travels back uh, to Corinth, and then he stays a good while uh, in Corinth. And while he's in Corinth, this is all about in Acts 20, he writes the letter to the church in Rome. Then he leaves uh, Corinth, goes back to Macedonia, goes to Philippi again, This will be his last time in Philippi. He goes back to uh, the coast and then to Jerusalem where he's arrested. Paul's arrested and he spends two years in a jail in Caesarea along uh, the ocean. And then because he's a Roman citizen, he appeals uh, to the emperor. And after those two years, he then travels and he's shipwrecked on his way to Rome, goes to Rome. And he is under a kind of a house arrest while he is in Rome. While he's in Rome, he writes what we call the prison letters, the prison epistles. 
And Philippians is one of those. While he's in Rome, in a jail, he's writing to the people at Philippi. Writing the people in Colossae at that same time. It's one of the prison epistles. Paul got all over his world. And when we read one of his letters, one of the questions we always ask is, where was he when he wrote this letter? Because he could have been in so many countries and so many cities. He was just all over the place. And how did he get there? How did he go? How did he talk to people in those places? Well, he used the network of the Roman Empire. 2,000 years ago, Rome ruled the known world. And they wanted transportation for their commerce and to get the goods from all the different parts of the empire. And so Roman roads are famous and the Appian Way is famous. And Paul traveled down those roads that were created by that secular government. He used the network of transportation of his day as well as the language of his day, writing these letters in Koine Greek, which is the common Greek of the day that was spoken for commerce and industry around that part of the world. And so Greek became the vehicle for the gospel, and the Roman Empire lent the structure that by which the gospel was carried to all of these different places in the world that you just saw. Now, I want you to remember, the Roman Empire was not a friend of the gospel. The Roman Empire was an enemy of the gospel. Sixteen organized persecutions by the Roman Empire in the first 300 years of Christian history. They killed Christians until there were no more trees to hang them on. They slaughtered them by the thousands over that period. The Roman Empire executed your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Roman Empire executed Paul the Apostle, whose letter we just wrote. The Roman Empire executed Peter, the pastor. The Roman Empire executed many Christians. And yet, despite its hostility toward the gospel, it furnished the roadways and the travel and the communication and the language by which the gospel went all around that part of the world until in the 300s A.D. Constantine declared Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. How in the world this Messiah who never went more than 200 miles from the place where he was born become so well-known all around the world of his day. It was through these secular networks set up by a hostile government. Centuries later, Gutenberg in 1440 invented the printing press. It was primitive, but it worked. And he started printing out little tracts and things that people wanted to read and even books. And by 1517, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses on that door in the little place of Wittenberg, Gutenberg's press was duplicated all around that part of Europe. And when Martin Luther began to set out his tenets in a call back to the grace of God and the purity of the Word of God, his words didn't remain just in a little bitty Wittenberg, but they actually traveled on the roadways provided by the Gutenberg press. 
And so his pamphlets were circulated among the masses, and what would have been a simple protest by a monk in an obscure place became a movement we now call the Reformation, which will next year be 500 years old. What Gutenberg wouldn't have given to have a press like the ones that were in that building on I-10 right here in New Orleans when I was reporter in 1979 and 80 for the Times-Picayune. When I wrote a story, they printed on those massive presses that you could stand up there and see from the balconies running not only our newspaper but many other things that they printed on those great state-of-the-art presses that were there in the building of the Times-Picayune. Roy Neeson is in church today. Where are you, Roy? There he is, back in the back. He worked for the Times-Picayune for 30 years and was the manager for distribution in the state of Louisiana. He told me last week that they brought in torches and saws to the building at the Times-Picayune where I worked on the third floor as a reporter. And they cut those massive press into pieces so they could remove them from an aperture they'd made in the wall to sell them for scrap metal. Nobody wants them. The digital age has come. I brought a, bought a book while traveling 70 miles an hour, downloaded it onto my phone and Janet read it and we never stopped while we were traveling. The digital age has come and some people think the devil's in it. But I'm telling you the gospel is in it. Nathan over here, wave your hand Nathan, he made a little poster two weeks ago and if you can believe Nathan, okay, he made this poster that just exalted the Savior. That's all it did. Many of you probably saw it. It was shared 518 times the last time I looked and had been seen by 62,000 people. That's digital communication. It is the new wave. And what God's people are going to do in this age is they are going to ride this wave of technology that they didn't invent necessarily and maybe they don't control. But you can send the gospel out on Facebook and your websites and Twitter. And you can put the gospel out there on the internet. And God can use this avenue for the gospel. Just like we weren't ever sure where Paul was going to be because he was all over the place. So many of you digitally are all over the world. You're, you're writing to friends in different countries and God is going to use this opportunity that is worldwide for the gospel of Jesus Christ and he is already doing so. And you need to be ready for it. With the gospel planted so deeply in your heart, knowing that this good news is what changed your life and this good news will change the lives of others. Having a passion for the gospel like the Apostle Paul means that when you are deployed by the military or by your business or by an educational institution to go to London or Singapore, that when you go, you're an ambassador of the gospel. Paul was a tent maker and he made tents in order to pay his bills but we do not know him as a tent maker. We know him as a missionary and a man who spread the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And whatever your occupation is, what you must do as a sister and brother in Jesus is let the good news of God's forgiveness and his redemption that Paul describes here take such deep root in your heart that you become a gospel person in every way. And whether you're in the classroom or the boardroom or on an airplane or somewhere else in the world, either digitally or geographically, that you have a burden for the gospel and you do all things for the sake of the gospel. You are at work sharing the gospel and proclaiming the gospel at all times and places in your world so that where you go, the gospel goes. If you are faithful in this, God will use you mightily. And there are creative and innovative people sitting in the pews right now who have ideas about how to share scriptures and the truth about Jesus and his love for us and his salvation for us. You have ideas about how you can do that. And I'm encouraging you now to be a good steward of the gospel that came to you from other people, just like it will come to other people from you. And you who have received the good news of Jesus Christ and have seen its transformation in your heart and know yourself now to be a child of God will share that good news that changed your life with those who are around you. The gospel goes, you see, where you go. And you must be intentional and purposeful about it. You must do your planning for your trip and your voyage so that the gospel is part of that planning. And maybe you're going to a place where Bibles are banned, and there are some places in the world. And so you pack your suitcase with Bibles. Have you ever done that? I've done that before. Because you want the Word of God to be known. And you make sure you got it in the right language. And it's the right translation. You, you prepare. You get specific and practical about how you're going to be an ambassador for the gospel wherever you go. Because if there's anything this old world needs, it is good news. This world needs good news. And you've got this treasure. And you say, well, I'm not much. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. God knows our limitations and our weakness, and he knows we have feet of clay. We are earthen vessels, but we hold this treasure of the good news of the gospel in earthen vessels. And God has now given us this amazing opportunity in our day to share the gospel around the world through the avenues that he has given. Will you do it? Will you make sure that the gospel goes where you go? I want to tell you something else. The gospel grows where you grow. The gospel goes where you go, and the gospel grows where you grow. When I first read verse 6, that all over the world, this gospel is growing and bearing fruit, I thought, what does he mean about bearing fruit and growing? What does he mean specifically about the gospel Growing and bearing fruit, increasing and bearing fruit. And I look down in verse 10. And there in verse 10, he describes these Colossian Christians who have come to faith in Christ through his uh, friends sharing the word of God with them. And he says, it's been happening in you. In verse 6, he says, just as it has with you. But in verse 10, he explains it, okay? 
And he says of these Colossians that they are bearing fruit in every good work. Do you see that? See, the gospel's all over the world bearing fruit. What does he mean? Bearing fruit in every good work. I don't know what you would call a good work, but I hope that you're involved in some good work, some work that helps people and expresses the love of God and draws them toward the Savior, some good work that addresses their needs and alleviates their pain and helps them bear their infirmities like God does with us. I hope you're involved in some good work, are you? Are you involved in some good work? See, that's why these stations are out here. These stations are here, these 12 different things that our congregation does under the umbrella we call Care Effect are here so that no brother or sister living in, sitting in these pews on any given Sunday has any excuse for being fruitless. You don't have to be fruitless. Maybe you've got your own good work, that's great and that's wonderful, but if you can't think of anything that you would really call gospel work that is good work then there are all kinds of options here for you, easily accessible to you, to share the gospel in practical deeds of kindness and love. Now, here's, here's the thing, okay? The true gospel, the message of the gospel, bears fruit in good works. Every good thing you do now intentionally connect it to the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't just go out there and be a philanthropist, okay? But think about how you can do your philanthropy connected to the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and be very deliberate about it. When we go to the nursing home, we go there to minister to them, to care for them, to pray with them. Everybody at Jefferson Healthcare is in a wheelchair or bedridden, all right? None of them are ambulatory. So when you go, you might meet Daryl. You'll try to shake Daryl's hand, but he doesn't actually have any hands. And he can't walk either because he doesn't have feet. But he praises God every day, and he loves to have company. And somebody can go and bless him by being present in his life. Pure religion and undefiled before God is to visit who? The widow and the widower and the orphan in their distress. This is gospel work. We call it compassion ministries. We call it the care effect. But this is gospel work. See, bearing fruit all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit in every good work. So that when people look at your life, they see that God has planted in you or some way you have developed a care for others who are in need and this love is displayed in you. And people will understand, hey, they love one another. It's amazing. By this, all men know that you're a disciple, my disciples. If you love one another, God's going to use this practical good work that he intends to do through you to exalt the Savior to bring him glory, and to make the gospel known. It is gospel work that he's doing. Now, there's another thing he's doing, okay? In every good work and growing 
in the knowledge of God. See, that's what the gospel does all over the world. It helps people understand who God really is. And they don't know this. I'm so glad that people in India are discovering that Jesus is Lord. And China, they say now that China may be the largest population of Christians in any country on earth. I'm so glad they are learning who God is. Through his son Jesus who is the exact representation of God's nature. So glad they're learning who he is because it changes your life when you know who God is. Now, everywhere I go, I see that things grow in valleys, not on mountaintops. Sometimes the mountaintops are just bare rock. But if you go to the valley, the valleys are green. In fact, I just recently flew over the western United States and you can easily identify where the rivers are because they're ribbons of green in the great desert of our western United States. Things grow in the valley. You'd like to be on the mountaintop all the time where you're shouting and having so much fun and everything's going your way and oh hallelujah, things are great. But God knows you grow in the valley. And you remember they came off the Mount of Transfiguration and immediately they encountered that demon-possessed child. Immediately after coming off the mountain. And Peter wanted to stay on that mountain. He said, let's just build three tabernacles right here. And we'll just stay up here in the mountain and that's where you want to stay. And some of you are going through valleys and you don't want to be there. And the valley's been a long time. But let me say, don't let that valley turn into a rut Make it a road because God wants to grow you there. God will grow you in the valley. There are things he can do in your life in the valley that he cannot do on the mountaintop. The mountaintop is really a place for the lightning flash to show you the world that lies before you. And then all of a sudden it's pitch dark again. And your job is to get off that mountain. Go down into the valley. And live faithfully for him. In the place where he has planted you. Jesus was a stranger in this world. We used to sing a song. The stranger of Galilee. The apostle Paul was a stranger in Rome. He was from Jerusalem and Antioch. Not Rome. When Peter writes to Christians, he, he writes to the strangers who are scattered all over Cappadocia and Galatia and Bithynia, to all you strangers. And I'm sure they were strangers in part because they were transplants, like many of us are. But they were also strangers because they were trusting in Jesus as Savior and called him Lord, and they were a very tiny minority in the world of their day. It seems to me that God uses people who live on the edges. And God uses the edges in extreme situations in our lives to bring himself glory and make us the people he's called us to be. And so if you feel like you're in extreme situation, in, in extreme pain, in extreme sorrow, and extremities have come upon your life and your family, and you're not sure why God has permitted this, I want to challenge you in the valley to see what God is up to in your world because the gospel works in that valley where you're in and God will grow you there. And where you grow, the gospel grows. We've got to learn 
how to be God's people when times are tough and hard so that other folks can look upon us in a time of sorrow and difficulty and see the glory of God in who we are and how we behave and how we live. And the Apostle Paul prayed in this prayer that he wrote that we read for determination and perseverance for these Christians in Colossae because for every one of you it takes determination to grow in grace, to be the person God's called you to be in the tough situation you're in at work, in the family, financially, emotionally. I love it that Jesus said, Lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. They don't really know how to, pronounce, uh, how to translate age. It's the word eon. We get eons from it. Sometimes they translate it geographically. Sometimes they translate it temporally. So in the old Bible it says, Lo, I am with you to the very end of the earth. And in the new Bible it says, To the end of the age. And what it means is Jesus is with you at the end. At the end geographically, at the end of time, at the end of your emotions, at the end of your strength, at the end of your understanding, God is there. He is with you to the very end, to the extremity, to the edge. And he makes himself known at the very edge of your life and he grows you there. Don't live in faithlessness when the trouble comes upon you. Learn how to walk in faith when the pain comes and the hurt comes and the sorrow comes and the disappointment comes. Because the gospel grows where you grow. And the people who know you best are watching you the closest, not when you won the lottery, but when sorrow has gripped your life. When betrayal has come, when you've got your pink slip, when it seems like life is over, the people who know you best are watching you closest because you said that Jesus was your Lord and he would take care of you. And will you follow through when the trouble hits your life? The gospel goes where you go and the gospel grows where you grow and the gospel works in your world. I don't know your world, intellectual world, and emotional world, and relational world. I don't know your world, but I know this, the gospel grows there. The scripture says, from the ends of the earth, I call you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. From the ends of the earth, from the extremities of time and space, I call upon you, God, and I know that you hear me. And the psalmist said that they are going to sing the praises of God from the ends of the earth. And it was envisioned by the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah and throughout the Old Covenant that the gospel, the good news about God's love would go all the way to the ends of the earth and all families of the earth would be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. And so Jesus, the Savior, the Son of David, has fulfilled this prophecy as the gospel of the good news of salvation through Christ goes to the ends of your life. And there at the ends of your life, the gospel works with power. 
Sometimes you're afraid to mention the gospel and your faith in Christ because you think, well, people won't believe this. This will sound silly to them. I'm sure glad somebody spoke the gospel to you despite the possibility that you might reject it. Aren't you glad that somebody, a grandmother, a parent, a friend, shared the gospel with you and you learned that God loves you and sent his son to save you? Aren't you glad for that? See, this gospel works. This is, this is a word, a message that works in every culture, every language, every geographical setting in the world. It takes root. It becomes indigenous. And there are two reasons why. The first is this. It is centered in the love of God. And that is a message that people around the earth are startled by. What do you mean God loves me. It's a life-changing word. It changes your world to know that God loves you. And it changes who you are. And that's the second great truth. The first great truth is that God's love is descending upon you and focused upon you. And the second great truth is that you have the capacity and opportunity to respond to this love. That you are made in the image of God. And you are called by the Savior to trust Him. And you can actually respond to the marvelous love of God. These two great anchor truths that God loves you. And that you can respond to His love. Make the gospel good news to every people, nation, tribe, and tongue on planet earth. It is good news. It is transformational. And as it takes root in the heart, the gospel produces this fruit of good works. And suddenly somebody who used to care only about himself now cares for the people around him. And somebody who used to hurt and damage those around him is now blessing them. And somebody who used to curse and depress everybody around them is now joyful. And something has happened in their life. This is the care effect. That God's care for us changes our demeanor, our posture, and our presence in the world. All of a sudden, I know who I am. I have learned the knowledge of God, that God made me. And he loves me as his own. And I am of infinite worth in his sight. I am not a minuscule grain of, of sand alone in this universe. But I am a son and daughter of God. Changes who I am and how I see the world. Jim Reeves was a contemporary of Elvis Presley. And he sang all over the world. You may have heard him or heard of him. He was killed in 1964. He was flying a plane outside of Nashville, Tennessee when it went down. He became famous in part because of the Louisiana Hayride. He was born in a little bitty place called Galloway, Texas. Anybody ever hear of it? Over there in East Texas, Galloway, Texas. I didn't know it until recently. But I used to sing a song that he wrote and sang around the world. This world 
is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You have this hope laid up for you in heaven, revealed to you by the true message of the gospel, the apostle says to these strangers in Colossae. And he says to us, so the gospel goes where you go. The gospel grows where you grow. And the gospel works in your world. Bow with me, please. Somebody here needs to receive Jesus as Savior. It's the greatest need of your life. Maybe you've resisted it. But today you, you feel a sense of God's call on your heart. And it's time for you to say yes to the God who loves you and sent his son to save you. And no matter what others think, to respond to that good news with the capacity that God has given you to do so. Lord, I pray for that man or woman, boy or girl in this room who needs to say yes to the call upon their life, who needs to respond to the good news of Jesus and his death for their sin upon the cross. Lord, I pray today will be the day when they do it. God, I pray for others who need to let the gospel bear fruit in good works, in a knowledge of God. Lord, that the gospel might increase in its presence in my life and our lives, that we might truly be gospel bearers all the places that we go, that we might connect both our life and our words to you and who you are. So, Lord, we pray today that you would elevate the gospel in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.